Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension beef educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we're going to be discussing a recent article that's on the beef.unl.edu website titled Blue-Green Algae Impacts on Cattle. To discuss this, I'm joined today by Amy Timmerman, who's a Nebraska Extension educator. Thanks for joining me today, Amy. Thanks, Aaron. Great to be here. Amy, you recently authored an article titled Blue-Green Algae Impacts on Cattle. Share with us a little more why blue-green algae blooms occur in dugouts, ponds, and lakes, and then also why is it potentially an issue, especially for livestock that are going to be drinking water from those locations? All right, so the main reason why I wrote this article to talk about blue-green algae is we typically see it in situations where we're having drought conditions. And through various parts of the states, we have been experiencing that. Um, Luckily, there's been some very timely rains that have occurred. But if you are still in that drought-like condition, blue-green algae can appear in those dugouts and ponds because the water is stagnant. And what the blue-green algae is actually doing is it is feeding and consuming the nitrogen and phosphorus that is in that pond or dugout. And if we think about how our livestock drink out of those, especially when it's hot, they may be standing in it. And we get a fair amount of manure, which is nitrogen based, which will help feed that blue green algae. So the other big trick behind this is we've heard about blue green algae, especially on some of our recreational lakes, such as Merritt Lake, Willow Lake, and they get closed because of the harm of blue green algae to humans but it's also harmful to our livestock and to our wildlife. And when we're in drought conditions and we're not getting new water in there, that's when we get a large accumulation of blue-green algae that can occur in those ponds. And with that, some blue-green algae produce a toxin called a cytotoxin. Now, please keep in mind, all blue-green algaes do not produce this toxin. There's just a slight few but this toxin is actually very, very dangerous to livestock and wildlife to consume. Um, Once we get concentrations high enough, we can actually see symptoms appear in full-size cattle two to 24 hours after consumption. So it doesn't take long at all, Erin, before we're actually seeing the impacts of this toxin on cattle health. Symptoms that we'll see in cattle, neurological symptoms include weakness, staggering, difficult breathing, paddling, convulsions, and then it can also affect the liver. And so we can see animals that are just weak, once again, pale colored mucous membranes, bloody diarrhea, and then with severe infection and consumption of the cytotoxin, they can lead to death of the animal. So if we're worried about these, there's a few things you can do as a producer when you're going out looking at your ponds and dugouts. So what I usually recommend is you want to go to the leeward side of your pond or dugout. So basically downwind. That's where the bacteria is going to congregate the most. And you're going to be looking on that surface of that water if you're seeing blue, green. But here's the trick. It can also be red in color or yellow in color kind of a scum on top of that water surface. And if you're seeing a concentration of that, that could be an indication that you have, well, it is an indication that you have blue-green algae growing in there. 
The other trick is to take a look to see if there's any wildlife being impacted. Um, if you're seeing a bunch of dead fish, if you have those in your pond or dugout, snakes, frogs, or rabbits, uh, that's a good indication that we probably are looking at a, a cyanotoxin problem and that you shouldn't let your cattle drink out of there. So that's just a few things that you're going to be looking for. If you have cattle that come down with consumption of blue-green algae and the cyanotoxin, the sad part is there is no antidote for it. Uh, the animals that do get a smaller dosage do recover. Uh, recovery is a little slow. You're going to see loss in weight. The one big thing that can happen is for our light-colored skin cattle, we can actually have a photosense, photosensitivity. And so basically they sunburn like we do with our skin. And so if you run into those situations where you have cattle that are photosensitive, you are actually going to want to try to bring them back up to the barn, keep them inside during the day and let them out at night. It takes a few weeks for that, that skin damage uh, to actually heal because they'll actually, they'll blister and then it will start to peel. And it's very painful. If you think about whenever you've had like a major sunburn and you get those blisters, exact same thing for our cattle. Um, so anywhere where we have light colored skin, so uh, Charlet cattle, anything with white face, anything like that could be a situation. Now, what are things that we can do if we have a problem? Uh, one thing you can do if we have a consistent wind that say it's always blowing out of the south and our leeward side of our pond or dugouts on the north, you can try to fence off that area so cattle can't get in there to drink. The better thing to do is actually to bring in an alternative water source, whether you're tanking in. But here's the trick. You can suck water out of that pond or dugout. The blue-green algae is only found typically on the top six inches of the water. So if you're able to get a pump in there and your pond and dugout is deep enough, if you're able to pull that water from six inches and further down, you can pump that into another tank or trough and the cattle are still able to drink it. So that, that's a great option to have uh, when we run into those situations because I totally understand hauling water can be a real big challenge and pretty cost, costly too, depending on how far you have to travel with that water and the number of cattle that you're trying to uh, keep hydrated during these hot summer days. Amy, if we want to get our water tested to kind of get a sense of where we're at, you've mentioned that blue-green algae can be pretty common, but there's just a small percentage that produces this toxin. How can we get a sense of if we may have a problem or not? So there's only one laboratory uh, that I know of, according to the Nebraska Department of Environment and Energy, that will actually test for blue-green algae, and that is Midwest Laboratories. So what you're going to do is you want to get a bottle that has at least 500 millimeters of volume. You're going to collect water off the top of the surface since it's only on the top. While you're collecting that sample, it's highly encouraged that you wear gloves also because it's toxic to us too. So we want to make sure you as the rancher producer is also safe and not going to get sick. So once you collect it, you place the sample in a cool place, but don't freeze it. And then go ahead and send it to Midwest Laboratories. Typically what I would recommend if you're shipping off samples, we want to ship those anywhere from Monday through Wednesday. 
to assure that the lab gets it before the weekend. Um, if you send it, it doesn't matter if you send it postal service, UPS or FedEx, if you ship it on a Friday, there's a good possibility that bottle will sit in a hot truck all weekend and that will really skew your results. Um, so Monday through Wednesday is when you want to send that sample. And then they will give you the results saying whether they're finding blue green algae and if they're finding the toxin that's in there too. Amy, as we think about designing dugouts and ponds, is there anything we can do to help prevent this from occurring? There are things that we can do to prevent it. So one of the big things is depending on where those ponds or dugouts are, trying to implement a really good nutrient management plan and grazing management. So the one big thing is we want to be grazing our pastures correctly. So when we do get a heavy rain, it does not want to all wash down into that dugout. We want to make sure there's plenty of plant vegetation there to absorb the water and absorb the nutrients that are there. With that, there has been excellent research that has shown uh, maintaining buffer strips of perennial plants uh, coming into that pond. So we would be looking at some of those warm season grasses, uh, some different components like that, where we would encourage the cattle not to overgraze. Uh, maybe you would even fence it off so the cattle couldn't graze there. So we would have that plant species there to be able to capture those nutrients. The other trick is, trying to uh, prevent livestock from loitering in that surface water, which I know is really hard when we're looking at 100 degree temperatures. Our cattle are hot, they wanna cool off, and especially if they have flies on top of it, they're just trying to get comfortable. But if there's a way that we can prevent them from standing and loitering in the water, whether it's a different type of fencing system, is definitely helpful. Also, once again, I kinda talked about this, forcing the cattle to not drink on that leeward side, forcing them to drink where the wind is coming from. And then the last big thing is, if we're looking at constructing a new pond or dugout, when we construct those, we want them to be at least 20 feet wide by 80 feet long. That way we have a lot of surface potentially there for cattle to drink from, but we also want it deep. We want it at least 10 feet deep. So this decreases that surface area for that multiplication. Um, it also decreases the effect of wind on that water body, which is important. And if we run into, into situations with it 10 feet deep, once again, we can throw that pump out there and to be able to pump that water up into a trough for temporary water use if we are concerned about blue-green algae. Amy, any other resources or sources of information that you think would be valuable to producers on this topic? So there is a great resource. North Dakota State has a wonderful extension publication entitled Cyanobacteria Blue-Green Algae Poisoning. Uh, it's where I received or got most of my data or information from. It is a great resource to use. Um, if you're interested in looking at more at blue-green algae and potential human impacts, there's a lot of resources online. Uh, just due to the fact of the blooms that we've been seeing in the Great Lakes and the impacts on human water consumption. But the other thing is, too, you can always reach out to your Nebraska Game and Parks because they are constantly monitoring those recreational lakes. So they are a great resource also to use when we're talking about blue-green algae and the impacts on wildlife and on human health. Thanks again for joining me today, Amy. You're welcome, Erin. Anytime. 
But for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, you can find this article.